Welcome to Playing Big, a podcast about what it means to play big in life and in business, and about changing the world with big ideas and big action. I'm your host, Blaine Fyan, Chief Evangelist here at True Footage, and I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to Playing Big. Who loves drama? Well, we all love drama. One of the aspects of being human is that we all have emotions, and those emotions guide and direct us throughout our lives in all the decisions we make in every moment. There's just no way around it. We all like to believe that we make rational decisions and careful thought and consideration, which of course, from time to time we do, but all of our decisions in every moment pass through our emotional centers first as they make their way to the rational and the logical portions of our brains. That's just the way it works. They run through our emotional filters first and any rational decisions or choices that we might decide to make will either be in agreement with our emotions, they were they are in congruence, in essence, on a particular subject, or they are in direct opposition to our emotions, and they will require an overriding of our emotions on that particular subject. We've all been there before where we go, my gut tells me this, but I'm going to go against my gut, and I'm going to make this other decision. So if a potential choice is in opposition to what our emotions are telling us, we have to constantly and consciously override our emotions to make some kind of rational or logical choice. Now, for most of us, how we learned, some of that's hardwired, but how most of us learned to make decisions and choice preferences was developed over the first, oh, say, eight to 10 years or so of our lives. And we learned how to make those choices and those decisions based primarily on the environment that we grew up in and the primary authority figures in our lives. We initially learn through observation. We learn through trial and error. You know, you touch the stove, it it's hot, it burns, and you go, okay, don't do that again. That's trial and error. And then we also learn through our innate instinct to survive. Okay, I'm hungry. I put this in my mouth. It either feeds me or it tastes horrible. And that's how we learn. Fortunately or unfortunately, what we also get from those same educational inputs, i.e. our parents' and our authority figures, as well as from the, let's call them family dynamics, and the sometimes not so subtle interplay between those primary characters in our own personal stories and dramas, is what we could very easily call a script. We are given a script. It's hardwiring in our brains. It's a tape. I'm dating myself by saying tape, but you know what I mean. It's a tape that we put in the tape player, and then you press play, and the tape runs. That's the script. The script says who we are, what role we play in this drama we call life, how we interact with the other characters in our story, and how well our story plays out. We learn to behave in ways that enable our particular scripts and the roles that we play. We end up acting out our roles in the scripts that we learned based on the characters and the roles the other members of our cast play, which are, in essence, our family members as we're growing up. And then, of course, over life, new cast members come in and out of the play, come in and out of the drama, and we interact with those people differently. But the script is always playing. Now, to give you an example of what I'm talking about, let's say you grew up with an abusive alcoholic parent or a family member. You may have learned how to be what's called a people pleaser. This is very common. You may have learned that When they come home in an alcoholic rage, or maybe they're sitting around the dinner table and they start to have that first glass of wine, and then they drink more and more and more. And as the drinking goes on and as the night goes on, they get more enraged, more abusive, more hostile. And so you learned by seeing that, that it's best to fly under the radar so as not to be called out or singled out by the abuser. Fly under the radar. Don't be seen. 
You may have learned that it's best not to make waves. Just make people happy and do what they ask regardless of your own personal needs. Maybe you learned how to, I'll call it, remain small in an effort to kind of hide from the drama. You know, this is the the proverbial, the girl who pull, pulls her hair across the front of her face to kind of hide her face. That's, that's her protection. So you learn to play small. You remain small to hide from the world, to hide from the drama that was frequent in that scenario, maybe in your household when that person was drinking. Now, this is just an example. This is an anecdote. And it's probably on the more extreme side of the drama spectrum, but I know there are many people listening who can relate to that kind of scenario. My point in using it is that our behaviors and our roles are shaped initially by those early experiences. Maybe they weren't as extreme or as hostile and as abusive, but we all have trauma. Even if it's not by definition, the same kind of trauma that maybe you or somebody in a worse situation experienced. We have our own pains, and those pains are stored. It's trauma. We learn how to play one of three primary roles through our upbringing, through some of that trauma. We play these roles through our, we learn them through our experiences. And the three roles are the rescuer, the persecutor, and or the victim. And these three roles make up what is often referred to as the drama triangle. And that's what we're talking about in this episode. The drama triangle is a great visual representation of what goes on on a daily basis within a variety of dynamics from family, friends, friend groups, and business. We see it happening in businesses all the time. And in fact, every character on the drama triangle can also be exhibited with each and every one of us, depending on the other humans we're interacting with on any given situation. Sometimes we play the victim to somebody else being the persecutor. Sometimes we are the persecutor to somebody else who's playing the victim. Sometimes we swoop in to be the rescuer of the victim who's being persecuted by somebody else. Drama is created when characters in a particular story, that's you and I, take on different roles in relation to each other. Now, I'm sure if you stop and give it some thought, you'll be able to identify times when you may have fallen into the role of, say, victim to somebody else who was being your persecutor. They were putting you down, they were judging, they were, you're stupid, you're this, you're that, and you played the victim. Sometimes you're the persecutor, judging somebody else and making them the victim. Sometimes you fall into the rescuer role to save somebody else, the victim, from being persecuted. We all do it, nobody is immune. At least not until we become aware of the drama triangle and the roles that we play and the script that is playing out. And then we learn techniques for stepping out of those roles, which is what next week's episode is going to be all about. In this episode, I'm going to outline for you what the drama triangle is, what each of those characters or roles and their descriptions are, what makes up each point on the triangle. So as to help you identify where the story might be playing out in your own life, and potentially in your business as well. So imagine an upside down triangle. You know, normally we see a triangle, it's like a pyramid, right? It's got a big base at the bottom and then it um, angles up on both sides to the point. So we'll imagine flipping the triangle upside down. It's balancing on what would normally be an upper single point. Now at the bottom of the triangle is the victim. Victims consider themselves weak, and unfairly abused and persecuted by others. This is a victim mentality. And they're typically what we'll call glass half empty individuals who have an external locus of control, we call it, which means they see life is happening to them. Everything that's happening is happening outside of them, external to them, no internal locus of control. 
Everything is happening external. It's Life is happening to them, not through them. And they tend not to believe they have any control over what happens to them, and they tend to see everything that happens to them as negative because they're, they're out of control. I mean, not out of control, but they have no control. They don't believe they have control. And the result of the bad luck that they were simply strapped with in this life is their overarching mindset and attitude. They feel sorry for themselves. We all know these people. Maybe you're one of them. If you don't know anybody like this, maybe you're, maybe you're this person. They feel sorry, always. They have this expectation that others will feel sorry for them as well. Sometimes they like to act to the world like they have extreme control over their life. And they'll let you know at every, every opportunity. They're kind of like CrossFitters and vegans. They got to tell you all the time. And victims are the same way. I'm in control. I'm in control. Until they're not. Because the victim tends not to take responsibility for any of their life's misfortunes or missteps, even if they were completely their own fault. It's always somebody or somebody else's fault. Somebody or something else's fault. Excuse me. Remember, this is the victim. This is the victim mentality. The victim has an insatiable need for help from others. They need people to swoop in and help them. And they will subconsciously and consciously manufacture events in order to get sympathy and help from others. They want people to swoop in. That's the attention they love. Now, one of the characteristics of this victim role is that they tell themselves what are called deficiency stories. And deficiency stories are scripts and tapes that play in their head, reminding them all the time how small, how weak, and how inferior they are. They tell themselves these deficiency stories and they tell everybody else how hard life is. And when people take the bait, the victim role is validated. When somebody buys into it, oh, real, oh, that's so, so bad. I'm so sad for you. When somebody takes the bait, the victim role is validated and the script can play out. The victim mentality has this sense of entitlement to some degree in that everyone owes them something. They see their accomplishments and their contributions, if anything, if they've actually done anything, as much, much bigger than they really are. They believe that the world and everybody in it simply has an inability to see how important this person actually is and how much they contribute to the world. And so the world sucks. Like nobody gets me. You'll hear people say that. The world just doesn't get me. These are victims. We just don't get it. We don't understand their plight and the difficult journey they've had. You don't get it, man. You just don't understand. That's the victim. They live in a world of what we call confirmation bias, which is to say that they only see the messages and the info that confirms for them what they already believe. That life sucks. The world is lacking. There is not enough to go around, and they are a victim of their circumstances. Now, the ironic thing about the victim is that the help that they really, really need is not the help that they want. You can offer it. You can give them a leg up. You can do everything in your power to help them out of their situation. But in reality, you are likely only angering them internally. Why? Well, because for the rescuer to come in and lift them out of their situation, they would have to start playing a different role, which they're typically not willing to do. They're often not capable in that situation nor equipped. They will play other roles in other situations. But when, when a rescuer comes in to help them, anybody helping them just negates the victim script. And in the drama triangle, the victim plays their role. The rescuer steps in to help, and when they fail to lift the victim out of their circumstance, the victim feels justified in their anger towards the rescuer 
and now they fall into the persecutor role. They start persecuting the rescuer for failing to solve their problem. Now, here's the thing to know about the victim role. Victims strongly resonate with other victims. It's a birds of a feather situation with them. Well, just as it is with every energy and every personality type, right? Birds of a feather flock together. And victims strongly resonate and are attracted to other victims. Doers resonate with doers. Winners resonate with winners. And they want to be around people that push them to be even better. Victims like to hang out with other victims who will constantly validate that victim script for them. On the uh, the drama triangle, victims will move in and out of their roles of rescuer and persecutor with frequency. They like to play the role of rescuer with other victims. That's where they start to move around the triangle. They start out as a victim, but then when they see another victim, they can move in as the rescuer. And then they, they become the persecutor when things don't work out for them. They go into blaming mode and they persecute all those who tried to help them. My friends, listen closely. Be very, very careful of these people. You may be the kind of person who likes to rescue people and you will spend an inordinate amount of your time and your life energy, your emotion, trying to save people who do not want to be saved. Take it from me. I've spent many, many years of my life and my life energy trying to help people who can't be helped. Being a teacher and a coach, I have found myself playing the rescuer role many, many times and always to great disappointment. It's just my nature. I like to think I can help people beyond themselves and their sometimes limited thinking and situations. There's always a part of me that that just says, if I can just help them see the light, if I can just help change their mindset, speak into them some positive affirmations, well, they'll just turn everything around. And I have to think and believe that way in order to bring that kind of energy to others. The downside of that is that you can get sucked into relationships that will ultimately, ultimately suck your time and your life energy with the potential to leave you a bit jaded and feeling like a victim yourself. So it's important to learn how to suss out that victim mentality and personality as quickly as possible, lest you give away some valuable part of yourself that you will never get back. Learn to identify victims quickly, friends. What's the next role? Well, let's talk about the rescuer. Just as the name implies, the rescuer likes to be the one to solve problems, fix things, and help when and where they can. I mean, what's wrong with rescuing or helping people? For the rescuer, there is a very real psychological and emotional reward when they can step in and fix things or help people. And by the way, this is an innate male character trait. Men like to fix things. When men are talking with women or women are talking to men, men are just thinking to themselves, just tell me what the problem is so I can fix it. And women are thinking, no, I just want you to listen to me and, and, you know, you don't have to fix anything. But men are always think we're always listening for what needs to be fixed. Just tell me what needs to be fixed and I'll fix it. This is innate. It's the natural rescuer. Now, obviously, it's better to be a helper and a fixer than it is to be a victim. But the thing about all these roles is that they get activated by somebody else playing the role that they love to play. So for the rescuer... They tend to be attracted to victims for that reason. The victim does their thing. Oh, I need help. I need help. The script is activated and the rescuer swoops in. And as a result, the rescuer tends to seek out victims. They're attracted to them. They don't always identify them as victims, but it's, it just flips the switch. And they are always on the search for somebody to rescue something to fix. 
And the thing that is often missed when the rescuer is playing out their script is that they their rescuing is more often than not what we would call an enabling act. When they're doing what makes them feel the best, rescuing people, helping and fixing things, they are also quite often enabling the victim to remain in victim mode. And we're going to talk in the next episode how to get out of all of these roles through in the what's called the empowerment dynamic. But for now, all of this is just to bring some awareness to how the, dry, the drama triangle plays out and where you might see yourself playing out scripts in any of these roles. They go on in life and business. And I'm here to tell you they can be extremely destructive. You may find them in the office around the water cooler. You may find them in weird corners. You may find them in every area of your life. The drama plays out. Now, as I noted earlier, when talking about the interplay between victim and rescuer, quite often when the rescuer fails to save the victim, the victim starts playing out their new role. A new script is activated and they become the persecutor and they start blaming the rescuer for failing to fix them. So let's talk about the persecutor. What is the persecutor's role? Well, the persecutor sees themselves standing for truth, for justice, and for fairness. They see themselves as the upholders of ideals, of values, and convictions, but typically only the ones that they're loosely committed to. Not all values, just theirs. Not all convictions, just the ones they've chosen from the menu. Now, you'll know the persecutor from their judgment. They're they're extremely judgmental of others and their failure to live up to the persecutor's ideals. Now, the interesting thing about the persecutor role in the drama triangle is that they tend to turn people into victims based on their behavior and the inability of people to live up to their ideals. They just become judgy. They become judgmental. And here's the thing about persecutors. They they tend to exhibit bully-type behavior. I mean, anytime you see a bully, you can kind of label them, okay, that's a persecutor. That's somebody who likes making other people feel small. But knowing that, We also know bullies do it as a way to feel safe. Bullies are bullies because they're weak inside, not because they're really tough. Bullies hurt others because they're hurting on the inside, and that's what persecutors are. Underneath the surface, persecutors believe that they're unsafe, and they have an intense fear of becoming a victim themselves. So what do they do? Well, they make other people victims instead. And this keeps them in a superior position. They feel a very strong need to control others by upholding and defending their ideals and their standards. For that personality type and role and the script that plays in that role in the drama triangle, it creates certainty for them. It creates stability through judgment. If I can judge you, I don't have to look inward at myself. So the persecutor prefers to lay blame and judgment instead of A, helping, and B, looking inward at their own behavior. And of course, we know helping would be the job of the rescuer. And in the drama triangle, the presence of the persecutor will activate the roles in other people of both the victim and the rescuer who steps in to save the victim. So here's the big question in all of this. The rescuer, the victim, the persecutor. After learning about the drama triangle and the three primary roles that create the drama in your life and in your business... Where do you see yourself on that upside down triangle the most and in what situations and with whom? Now, remember, as you're thinking about this question, none of us is immune from being part of the triangle in all situations. There's something called 
emotional intelligence and emotional maturity. And uh, for many of us, we were aware of these things so that we can see them, we can see the patterns, we know our own patterns, we know our own codependencies, and we can identify those things and go, okay, I'm, I'm not going to play in this anymore. But for most, if they're not aware of it, they get sucked in. None of us is immune. As good or as aware as we might be, we all fall into certain roles and scripts in certain situations with certain people. It's usually our closest family, our mother, our father, our brothers, our sisters, our whatever. We just fall into certain roles because of our upbringing. It's, it's, it's ingrained. It's innate. It's deep. And quite often for people, there's some trauma there, emotional trauma, if not worse. And when it's the same people over and over who are triggering certain scripts and roles within us, we call that codependency. Each person is kind of needed to play out those scripts until somebody changes the drama, either by withdrawing from it completely and refusing to play. Sometimes that's the best thing to do, just cut those people off. Or by entering into, again, what's called an empowerment dynamic, which we'll go into into depth in the next episode. So to give you a little sneak peek, the empowerment dynamic entails becoming one of three things, right? We talked in this episode about the rescuer role, the victim role, and the persecutor role. Well, in the empowerment dynamic, you can get out of those that drama triangle by, by becoming a creator, a coach, or a challenger instead of a victim, a persecutor, or a rescuer. So as you go into the week, my friends, ask yourself what scripts you see playing out with different people, both in life and in business. There are likely times when you are the rescuer and usually with the same people. There's somebody in your life, maybe multiple people, who always play the victim and you swoop in to try to fix it and rescue. There are times when you are the persecutor. You're the judge, the jury, the executioner. And then, of course, there are times and certain people with whom you play the victim. Now, even though this framework is called the drama triangle, I have come over the years to see it more like an infinity symbol. Now, if you're not familiar with what that looks like, it's essentially the number eight turned on its side. And on any given day, and with any number of players in our lives, players in the, the, the drama that is our lives, we cycle through this infinity loop of scripts based on the relationships that we have with that person. Until we become aware of the different roles that we, we loop in and out of with different people, and we learn some new tools for dealing with the script and the resulting behavior patterns, we stay in the loop and we stay somewhere on the triangle or, or in that infinity loop. When you are in the loop or on the triangle, you're in drama, and drama, my friends, has an immense cost. Avoid it. Cut it off when you see it. Get out of it. When you're stuck in the drama loop, you simply cannot be focused on the things that propel us forward in life and in business. So what do you say we come back here next week, same time, same place, chat about some ways to eliminate the drama from your life. Sound good? All right, my friends, until next week, I'm out. Mm -hmm.